internet analytic here aka dreams and i'd like to welcome you to mine which i call the notorious mass effect podcast i'm your hip-hop and gaming news source with a little bit of r&b mixed in for episode 129 we're going to be getting into a lot of sales and by sales via the music and gaming industry because a lot of stuff has been happening behind the scenes that's been pretty impactful and it hasn't and it's not just the writer strike that was that lasted for like almost 200 days basically we're going to get into a lot of sales and the correlation with or the lack of correlation with integrity so with that being said of course gotta give y'all updates since you know it's a new episode business update i'm going more in the direction of different brands sponsoring the pod instead of having one specific brand i'm not going to speak on it too much because you know that's like behind the scenes business stuff but i like to be transparent because y'all the ones who support me to make this even possible so y'all might have heard me talk about drizzly or drizzly in the past three to four months now it's going to be more variety on every ad instead of a 50% chance of Drizzly ad popping up. That's a, that's as simple as I can put it. Because for the podcast, of course, a lot of people like to buy in for downloads. And that's like the business aspect. I don't know if anybody um, or I don't know if too many people care about that. So I just wanted to lay it out there for people who's wondering about the Drizzly uh, sponsorship. Because... If you don't know, a little creator tidbit, definitely make a podcast on Red Circle hosting platform. I may be a little biased, but I believe they give you the best creator tools to tailor your price to what you want. I'm not going to tell you the price I set, but let's just say the different brands that buy into that price is higher than the host red stuff I was doing for Drizzly. So with that being said, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Let's give a life update. Now, do I have a story for y'all? Obviously, I'm not going to give too much into my personal life because it's out there, but it's not like something I promote. Um, One thing I realized is it's not really where you are or the lifestyle that you're living. It's more about the people around you and the experiences you share with them the people you care about and the people who's really in your circle and the experiences you share with them that's one of the things i've realized over time but it's become even more and more apparent as i've gotten i'm not even gonna say older because i'm still young technically but um hanging with certain people who have your best interests at heart is better than being in certain quote-unquote live sections or just uh popular sections and 
being in the mix hopefully that makes sense basically hanging with the people who have your best interest at heart is something i would take nine times well yeah every time versus just being invited to like a popular function to be with amongst others and that's just because for me that's just what i like once it was a choice i think that's what it was because some people say it and they just say because they can't get into the popular section let's just be honest <laughs> so now i've realized that for me personally i just choose to like spend time with people who have my best interests at heart which is majority well mostly family uh most of my family if not all and some friends you know so with that being said that's my personal life update hopefully i didn't confuse y'all uh, let's just say there's a lot of different events go on especially if you're a, a college student you definitely know what i mean and you have to make a lot of decisions on whether to have fun or to take care of business and for me i've realized that taking care of business nine times out of ten is the better option <laughs> so yeah that's that's a side point from what i just uh, previously said so um what else yeah so that's basically it that's it for my update not really too much to talk about uh as always you know i appreciate the people coming time and time again to support the podcast uh we just surpassed 1.8 million total downloads in just nine months under the new hosting platform red circle for the podcast and i know it's basically october but i'm still saying nine months because we just got into october so to accomplish that feat especially in just one year of starting up on a new platform which basically resets everything to zero you gotta build everything from the ground up and if you don't know what i'm talking about listen to my segment that i titled notorious mass effect versus i think it's umg hold on let me look it up myself because i don't want to send y'all in the wrong direction but basically i don't feel like explaining it because i already explained it a, a million times but if you want to hear me explain it again yeah look up spotify versus notorious mass effect and then parentheses i put podcast deleted so that was a whole ordeal where i was uh taken down by umg come to find out but of course i just put spotify because i didn't know at the time but had to start all the way over this year and coming up on october to have 80,000 weekly downloads to have 1.8 million total downloads and under 10 months is like a bounce back that i did not see because compared to anchor i was averaging at the most 9,000 downloads a week which is not all about the numbers for me but i like to point out when people are supporting in a way that has surpassed my expectations if that makes sense so i like to point it out because i don't want all these people listening to think i don't care about the support you know hopefully y'all don't get that uh um inclination that i just don't care about everybody tuning in you know i don't know why you would because you know I, I usually say every stream that i appreciate everybody who comes in and checks out the podcast so <clears throat> for the consistent people who come over time and time again that's the current uh, overall numbers that we're at um and hopefully we continue to climb you know at the end of the day 
I'm gonna keep trying to come up with different topics that keeps y'all entertained. And with these different episodes, I like the format of it because of course I cover new music. So you're gonna get something new every single week and especially Thursday at midnight when I cover all new, well not all, but like most of the popular new music uh, releases. <clears throat> so with that being said, hold on. I gotta make sure there's nothing else left to get off my chest oh another thing hold up i do got something to say okay so i'm 23 right i have to say my age because it's it's apparent it, or it's uh, a part of this uh story you know getting in line with my friends you know what i mean we having fun and everything and that's not the point checking into certain parties that has a limit of 21 or over and you have to show your id right I'm a black man in a certain place that has a lot of white people, right? So when I hand them my ID and they look at it, oh, also I'm from out of state. I'm not gonna tell you which state cause I'm just, I'm just giving you a story, all right? We're not trying to have you all in my business, but it's out there, I'm just not gonna promote it. So basically I'm out of state, right? Give them my ID and tell me why every time I hand a, a, a bouncer, I guess is what they call my ID, they look at it like I'm just the biggest killer in America. I'm like, every time I hand them my ID, they staring at it. They put it in the light. They they throw they they twisting it around. They they squinting their eyes. I think one time a dude pulled out a brand new pair of glasses just to look at it even closer. I was like, ain't no way this is happening to me every time I go to a bar. And I'm telling you, this is a lengthy process, at least five to 10 minutes. They're just looking at it. they like asking me all, to, imagine how frustrating it is to have this happen every single time. They're asking you questions about your hometown. Oh, where'd you do this? Well, uh, well, uh, where'd you go to school? Uh, I'm like, honestly, I don't wanna be that person, but you know, when you play certain sports, you're pretty well known in certain communities. So I'm like, if you was there, you would have knew about me. I ain't want to say that because then it comes across a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Because I told you I used to play basketball, but that's besides the point. Um, yeah, so the last, like, obviously it happened, you know, recently. I'm just like, it's not a big deal, but it's just so frustrating that they think it's a fake every time they look at it and they squint their eyes put in the light all type of stuff and so my thing now is just to automatically just call for the manager i'm like bro like and you know i do it in like a, a a nice way you know what i'm saying gotta be nice because as a black man they would just say oh i felt threatened you can't come in right <laughs> so i say it in the most polite polite way i could put it i'm like um just have your manager look at it right that's what i say and they usually have the manager come, they look at it, and now I get to go in. And so, I don't know, I just had to bring that up because that is beyond frustrating. When I tell y'all that little stuff like that is just like, but why am I even out here? Like, if, you, you know, sometimes it's like, you should, you could take it as a compliment or you, you could take it at uh, face value, which is I'm a black man. Most of the bouncers are white looking at a car that they think oh we get a lot of out of state i'm like well i'm actually out of state so at this point like if y'all can't tell the real from the fakes then who's winning you know what i'm saying <laughs> like you know what i mean so anyways um i had to get that off my chest though so, you know that felt good that felt good all right that's it all right <laughs> you know these episodes are also therapeutic for me and i think any podcast is therapeutic for the podcaster depending on if you're talking about um except for the the um 
the crime podcast. I don't see how they do it, covering that stuff every single day, every single week. They 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 are a different breed. So that being said, uh, let's get into an episode. All right, I had to tell y'all, <laughs> I had to tell y'all that because I had a good time. Of course, you know, of course, I had a good time. It never like stops my good time. But it's always like one of those things where it's just like, dang, like what do I, like I don't care, but it's just annoying. So it's like one of those things where you don't care, but it's annoying. And hopefully y'all can relate with that uh type of sentiment. So uh before we get into episode 129, I done turned off my beat. Hold up, give me one second. Alright, there we go. Before we get into episode 129, which is basically titled Sales Over Integrity, is it worth it? Question mark, because we're gonna get into a lot of numbers talk. Make sure to click my link tree in my bio to access my social medias and follow to keep up with my latest activities and if you want to if you want to support the show financially click my cash app link located towards the top of my link tree as it helps the show overall also make sure to share this podcast rating the show five stars as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses now let's get into the first topic of episode 129 which of course I'm starting off hot with Doja Cat first week sales. I want to start this off by saying Drake drops this Friday. With that being said, to all my OVO boys out there in the sweatshop, I have to apologize. I said and my Doja Cat Scarlet segment that this is the reason Drake pushes album back. And boy, was I wrong. You know, sometimes in life, you give an opinion that's just downright false. The type of merit that I have behind it, I believe to be a lot because if you would have told me that leading up to your album you would have had the number one song in the world i don't even think it would have crossed your mind that there was a possibility that your album could flop so who i'm talking about is doja cat and her new album scarlet because it's not even expected to compete with number one you want to know the top three albums of course, Olivia Rodrigo with Guts selling 89,000 in I don't know how many weeks it's been out. Rod Wave with his album Nostalgia, 84,000. Morgan Wallen, that man just won't go away, will he? Morgan Wallen with One Thing at a Time, 71,000. And then you have Doja Cat Scarlet at 69,000 first week. And this is her first time being on the charts. The reason why I say first time, because when your first week sales come out, usually that's an indication of how much anticipation you've built up for your album or how much your fans care to listen to your album as soon as it comes out. A lot of, a pe a lot of people listen to music for fun, which is nothing wrong with that. Then you have stands and core fan bases who listen to every single new release their favorite artist drops. Doja Cat, 
I believe was one of them because after seeing Paint the Town Red literally become the first hip hop song, I believe. Let me sh make sure this is right. Paint the Town Red literally became the first hip hop number one track of 2023. Yeah, here it is. Okay. So Paint the Town Red by Doja Cat becomes the first rap song to hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 since Nicki Minaj's Super Freaky Girl over a year ago. And I think, well, no, Super Freaky Girl, she hasn't put out the album yet. But basically what I'm saying is that usually when you have a single that's, that, that's so successful that out of all the songs in the world, everybody's playing this one the most. And you release an album to capitalize off of that. I would think that you would not flop, right? So I thought it was safe to assume Drake pushed this album back for the possibility that Doja Cat could outsell him in first week sales. That's why I started off this segment by saying, I apologize to my OVO boys out there. Because look at this, right? For... People on my Analytic Dreams video podcast on Spotify, I'm about to go through our Instagram. Now, if you're not on that, make sure to go over if you want to watch the video along with the audios on my Spotify uh, Analytic Dreams video podcast if you want to look that up. Also, it's in my link tree. But anyways, let's go through her Instagram, right? Hopefully, this, none of this is like too much as far as like scaring y'all. But I want y'all to see some of this imagery. The reason I'm being quiet is because to sell your soul. Oh, look at this one. Hang on, that, that one's kind of fire. But anyways, uh, <laughs> to sell your soul. Or not even sell your soul, because that's like a buzz phrase or a buzz term or whatever. But look at this right here, right? Let me tell y'all something. To praise the devil and to still flop is insane. Because you've seen so many artists like Sam Smith, who was on who was at an award show dressed as the devil. For a whole performance you've seen little uzi vert have so many anti-christ symbols as far as the upside down cross and he sold tremendously for his album the pink tape so you've seen this marketing strategy work time and time again it's the easy integ integrity no it's the easy sales over integrity which is why this is titled this episode is titled that because of course this is not the only aspect i have of this but I do want to say celebrating devilish images, whether you're religious or not, religious or not, it's very abrasive and wanting to have attention on you. So when you choose this, when you choose this marketing strategy, you're going to have a lot of eyes on you. And to still flop. 
like relative to the major label that she's on sh this is a flop doja cat is on rca which is a major label you want to know who else is on rca or um SZA. SZA is also on RCA. I'm trying to see who else. Um, in parentheses, they have the bigger, they have the bigger major label. I don't know what SME stands for. I'm tricking. I think it's Sony Music, but let me make sure. I don't want to just be saying stuff. The reason why I'm bringing up major label because obviously they're the machine that helps you, for lack of a better term, fake your streams a little bit more efficiently. You know. So Kemosabi Records slash RCA Records. I wonder what the SME stands for. Hold on, let me type that in right quick. Cause that's gonna help me with the other artists on the same label. Cause there's subsidiaries and there's the major label. And the SME one is the major label. RCA SME. Cause this is gonna help me clarify my point even further ah okay that's why I, I knew it was that okay sony music entertainment i don't know why i was blinking on that i was thinking it was that i just didn't want to misspeak rod wave is under sony music let's see doja cat of course is under sme scissors under sme Travis Scott is under SME and they are all in the top 10, right? As far as album sales. Difference is most of these, well, every artist besides Doja Cat I just named, those albums been out and they're still in the top 10. With Doja Cat, with her first week being so low, I, can, I do not see this lasting on the top 10 list as far as album sales, which some people may be like, why are you pinpointing album sales? It doesn't really matter that much. The reason why I'm pinpointing it is because I came out and said that Drake pushed his album back for Doja Cat Scarlet because of the possibility that she could outsell him. That is just asinine at this point. With Scarlet selling 69,000 first week, not even competing for number one. Uh, slid all the way to number four. The follow-up to Planet Her, which generated 109,000. Think about this. <clears throat> Your previous album sells 109,000 first week. Scarlet is coming up, and you have your biggest track of all time in Paint the Town Red. You are not even think or contemplate selling even close to a hundred thousand because you're like i sold a hundred and nine thousand last time and this time for this new album i have a single lead leading up to it that's my most successful single of all time and then to put the album out and the numbers come out like this nowadays it's so hard to figure out what album projections no not album projections what albums are going to do before they come out because if your single is selling one way like you're the hottest artist in the world and your album is selling like you are mid c to t the uh, c tier to d 
level artist that there's no correlation to where you could be like i could have pinpointed that so i think the music industry is having a hard time trying to sell these albums and we have to start putting more respect on people who actually put up triple digit numbers when it comes to first week sales when it comes to uh olivia rodrigo uh rod wave um a scissor travis scott basically the big dogs in the industry has to get more respect for having their fans listen to their entire album instead of just one singular song that was kind of catchy more respect has to be placed on album artists than single artists and we're seeing it with cardi b cardi b just had i think one of her biggest flops with bongos because wop was one of the most successful hip-hop tracks of all time now you have bongos fighting and i mean fighting for dear life to stay on the top 50 and it just came out like a week or two ago so you when you are an album artist and respected for your albums time after time because you could do it once obviously cardi did it once with uh invasion of privacy but when you do it time and time again like a rod wave has like a travis scott like a scissor i think that's the point where you can kind of surmise that they will have stable sales whenever they put out an album that is what i think was missing for doja cat so i had so many theories on why doja cat flopped and I just realized she may just be a singles artist. Her fan base may not really like her albums like that. And that's crazy to say because her last album sold 109,000 first week. But in the midst of that, she didn't tell her fan base that she don't love them. She didn't tell her fan base that they can go forget themselves. And that's the PG way of me saying it. She didn't tell her uh, fan base that she don't really like care about them she don't even know them like just all type of pr nightmare scenarios that doja cat was was accomplishing in real life to the point where now when paint the town red went number one it was the biggest song in the world she was like oh this marketing strategy is actually working so let me keep playing into this devilish mantra and all of my uh sales are gonna go up because obviously when i do this marketing tactic it works which it did with paint the town red becoming the biggest single in 2023 for hip-hop or the first number one for hip-hop obviously drake has a second so now i'm gonna keep leaning into the devilish imagery i'm gonna put out this scarlet album and i'm not even contemplating that i'm a flop like i'm thinking that i'm about to blow the, the the roof off with these sales and then for it to come out and not even not even number two like you wasn't even runner up in in uh album sales or first week sales number four for an album you just put out being under sony music entertainment having the number one song in the world is beyond a disappointment so with that being said i think i pretty much covered everything it was really interesting to see that um even paint the town red which is like Doja Cat's still, still like biggest accomplishment in 2023, which it is a big, really the biggest. It's like a, it's like a, a Super Bowl for artists to go number one in the world as far as your track. So 
Jungkook, obviously, uh, with Jack Harlow, the new track 3D is tracking and they're projecting it to dethrone Paint the Town Red on the global 200 chart after a, a month-long worldwide reign. So that's how long Paint the Town Red has been running the charts. But they say that 3D by John Cook and Jack Harlow is set to dethrone it. It may not happen. It's still projections. This came out like uh, 13 hours ago as far as this uh, report. But John Cook did have a huge single with Lotto with seven, which was like top three for, it's still like top three, top five right now as we speak, I believe. Yeah, because I don't think they have the actual global sales up. Hold on, let me go to global sales. I think this is just the U.S. one. And global sales, uh, Jungkook has... Yeah, it's still number two. So Jungkook still has the number two track in the world with uh, seven, with Lotto. So for him to have a number one with 3D with Jack Harlow, at that point, man... He may have to forget BTS and go uh, on a solo on a solo run because that's ridiculous. But anyways, uh, I'm not going to be a dead horse. I just really wanted to apologize to my Drake fandom out there because at the end of the day, I am a huge Drake fan. Um, I doubted my GOAT and I paid the price. You know, sometimes in life, you just have to admit when you're wrong. And this is one of those scenarios. I had to break down why I was wrong. Um when Drake drops, of course, I'm, I'm I'm covering everything. I mean, that's my favorite artist. So, hurt my heart that I doubted him, and I was just so wrong with my projections. Like, beyond wrong. Like, I was thinking Doja Cat was going to do 300, 400 for uh, first week, like some Travis Scott type sales. She ended up selling 69,000 and being number four on the album charts instead of number one, which I just thought it was not even a question. Like, I thought she had it in a bag. So that stuff's crazy. So anyways, basically, to sum out, uh, in summary, Doja Cat flopped. <laughs> so anyways, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Doja Cat and just selling her soul, praising the devil, and it all resulting in a flop? And also, what do you think she could have did to not have her album sales be so low. Did y'all know that all seven members of BTS has reached the top 10 of the artists uh, 100 charts? And what that means is the Billboard Top 100. And as far as charting, every single BTS member has put out a song that has entered that chart. That is insane. That's like if I don't. I really don't know a um a seven person group in like any genre, besides like bands, like rock bands, of course. But I would say that's like if what was it Wu Tang? It's like if every nah Wu Tang had way more than seven members. Anyways, there's really no comparison basically and honestly that's a great transition to what i'm about to get into because of there being no comparison big hit music which is the major label that bts is under has officially signed them for a second time and this is in this is in 
anticipation of BTS coming back together in 2025. Because if you don't know, some BTS members are completing their mandatory military service. So the reason why all these different BTS members are putting out solo music and you see some stuff from J-Hope, you see stuff from uh, Jungkook. You, I really don't. I don't know all the names. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to. Is it up here? I don't think all the names is up here. Oh, it's, it's literally on the screen. Y'all know I can't read. My fault. Uh, so J-Hope, Sugar, Jimin, V, Jungkook, Jin, RM. The only ones I haven't heard a lot about is Jin. That's the only one. And that's no disrespect. I just haven't heard too much about them. But um, as far as the most publicized member for what i've seen i would probably say sugar i know j cole gave that verse to j hope but that man jermaine when it comes to his his uh culture vulturing tactics like he would just choose the worst way to give a verse to these uh overseas artists like if you heard his verse on burner boy you would have thought that he paid burner boy to put that verse on his album like that was some atrocious execution that happened with that uh song from j cole's verse to the tempo of the beat to the way burner boy was coming on like he was ending off the album and j cole came on like he was basically took two night quill pills and went to sleep and then record and woke up and, and recorded his verse like basically it was terrible right anyways that was a side tangent Well, all of these members, okay, so basically all of these solo members from BTS is putting out music is because some members of BTS is completing mandatory military service and they won't be able to come back together as a group until 2025, which is coming up pretty soon if you look at how the industry works and stuff. Like it's basically not that far off, right? So big hit music was like, let's get this deal done because these boys putting up numbers and we don't want them to go somewhere else because best believe me um universal music group would have been swooped up and and signed bts if they could so i believe big hit is under south korea as far as like home base so i think they're trying to you know keep them under the umbrella instead of you know losing them to a foreign major label which makes sense so let's keep going BTS, of course, debuted under Big Hit Entertainment in 2013, and they re renewed the contracts for the first time in October uh, 2018. And of course, you don't have specific details of the contract because that's like illegal. <laughs> like literally every contract of this magnitude is like, hey, you can't tell nobody about the specifics of this deal. Because imagine you went to your work, right? And y'all was just openly disclo uh, disclosing contracts. And you realize you do more than this person, but they get paid $60,000 more than you. You're going to throw a fit. So anyways, the details of the contract is not disclosed, of course. Um, Jen and J-Hope from BTS are currently fulfilling the mandatory military duties. So Sugar is set to join them soon and bts okay so there's only jen and j-hope and then sugar that that has uh mandatory military service left i was wondering why i haven't why i wasn't hearing as much as uh news about sugar but anyways i think it's very strategic the way they're doing this right they're making each solo act put out music 
and then go do their mandatory military service and then while they're doing that they have another act come put out music so it's very strategic the way big hit is uh maneuvering this whole mili mandatory military duty stuff because you you know they have to do it it's not like it's not like us where you could just say forget your country and everybody just gonna let it rock like in south korea you're forced to go serve on the mandatory you know uh or to serve in the uh, military but speaking of uh the us BTS, uh, bts has achieved so much success one of the most successful groups of all time literally like of all time beatles um was jackson five um is one direction are they in that category i don't think so right i, I don't know too many groups outcast um you get what i'm saying right bts is one of them like as far as history and 10 years 15 years from now bts is going to have a legacy of putting k-pop on the map for the u.s like they literally met with the president of the united states simply because their impact on the states was so big like forget their hometown where they get like billions of streams now they come to america and they also putting up numbers on the billboard charts so speaking of those numbers it includes um i totally blank oh they've topped the u.s billboard hot 100 singles chart and the billboard 200 albums chart and if i had to look at i think they've had multiple albums out let's see you know what would go crazy and this is a side point or a side tangent uh, a drake and bts track i'm not gonna lie drake would probably give the most culture vulture uh culture vulture verse we've ever heard in life but with that being said yeah they have a bunch of albums out so yeah no their, their fan base loves when they put out albums like sometimes you you wonder if a certain group or whatever is an album type group or if they just are popular from their singles from the looks of it they've been going since goodness they've been going since 2013 they've been in this game a decade that's that's insane and they still relevant even more relevant than, than they've ever been 10 years later i mean that brings a whole nother meaning to the drake line when he said give it 10 years to see uh who's around a decade from now something like that and basically bts could say the same thing because they've been around a decade and they looking better than ever so uh what else bts promised to stay together in 2025 and beyond of course in a statement uh hybe the parent company of big hit express support for bts of course i mean like imagine you're managing bts you're gonna support them that's like uh, the, uh that's like the gm of the lakers being like you know what i think lakers just gonna be all right this year like nah you're gonna you're gonna support them with, with every ounce of of your energy um so yeah it's really not too much to get into k-pop was put on the map by bts but they are not the only ones if you want to get more into the bts and the k-pop field uh blackpink is another group that puts up numbers uh of course jungkook literally has the second most popular song in the world with uh lotto which is called seven and is rumored and projected that he could have the number one song in the world with jack harlow which is titled 3d as far as the other bts members i really don't see any other ones i see a lot of r&b and rap the weekend is still on the charts with starboy that man's different 
Sorry, that's I just saw that. Um. So yeah, that's basically it. I'm trying to see any other beats. Oh, new jeans. Okay, new jeans with super shy. Uh, they're number forty one. And the reason I know that K-pop is because you know I cover most of these K-pop artists. Well, not most. I cover the popular ones, and um, I remember covering new jeans one time. And speaking of new jeans, I think they're having a. Or it may already be out. It's like a track for League of Legends tournament, I believe. That's coming up soon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. You can look it up. Um, I'm not getting into details, but basically, yeah, they, they putting out a or they are they may already have an anthem out for League of Legends. So there's that because I think that tournament is happening in South Korea. You're probably like, how do you know that? Well, Notorious Mass Effect. When whenever gaming and music collides, I try to pay attention. So, <laughs> so anyways, that's basically it. Uh, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about? Big hit getting BTS to renew their contracts for uh, 2025 and beyond after completing their mandatory military service. Do you care? And if you do, who's your favorite member of BTS? All right, class, before we get started, I have a few announcements to make. So welcome first to course U.S. Music Revenue. We're going to be going through a, a plethora of different numbers. And obviously, as you can see, Spotify um, has this nice chart up for us to look at. And if you go to Analytic Dreams video on my Spotify channel to see the video elements along with the audio, you will understand what I'm currently saying to you. So. I feel like a professor. Because throughout the duration of this segment, you are going to learn everything you need to know about the music industry. Literally, you're going to be able to walk away and tell people how 2023 has went from an economic standpoint. And that, ladies and gentlemen, or with that, let's get started. I'm excited to discuss this topic with you today. All right, I'm going to take off my professor voice. <laughs> Basically, music industry racking up all type of do re mi right recording an all-time high revenue of 8.4 billion in the first half this is not even 2023 this is the first half of 2023 marking the ninth consecutive year of growth music as far as revenue is getting into a whole nother stratosphere of sales now for this year specifically I have a theory on why that is, but we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. So make sure to pull out your notebook, you know, write this down, jot it down, listen to it, put it in your brain, take a screenshot with your brain, if that's possible. Pay streaming subscriptions has been the biggest reason for these continuous years of growth, making up to 78% of streaming re revenue right now. I have the way that uh, people has been consuming music for the first half of 2023. Now, you probably are saying, where are your sources, young man? Well, I would say to you that at this point in the game, if you don't believe me, I don't know what to say. Like, at the end of the day, I have my sources. If you click my link tree in my bio on one of my social medias and DM me, I'll let you know specifically. But if you're just asking for clout, then guess what? I made it up. <laughs> so anyways, um, 
digital downloads of course has been the uh no not the lowest so it's tied with the lowest digital downloads and sync is tied to the lowest physical is at 11 percent and streaming is at a whopping 84 percent now this is a graph so they're just making figures add up so it rounds out to uh, 100 right uh figures this isn't the bottom right figures don't add to 100 percent due to rounding so with that being said um Why do people not purchase music anymore? And why has the value of music went down to to such a point where just a simple listen is basically half a penny, right? You have to garner thousands and thousands and thousands of people to listen to make money from your music. And now that it's on streaming, or even before it was on streaming, it's like when you purchase an album, a percentage of that money went directly to uh to the artist that made it that was much more than you just press and play on your whatever dsp you use so i find that very interesting on the landscape of music because if you think about it if you was an artist and was getting paid half not even half a tenth of what you really deserve as a musician and compared it to back in the day I would say the only reason people aren't upset is because of the brand deals you can get from social media. And that's why the money they make from music isn't as focused upon because you can use social media, like I said, to get brand deals. Um, basically, that's it. Like uh, Offset with uh, fashion is one of the prominent examples, him having a whole TV show based off fashion. Uh, Drake with steak, a gambling company which is where he makes uh not most of his money but like majority of his money jay-z with his business ac uh accolades with like i'm i'm naming a lot of hip-hop because for me i cover mostly hip-hop so with his business ventures with the nfl uh his alcohol brand and speaking of alcohol diddy with ciroc and him um partnering and basically creating his own black network in uh, a revolt you know musicians make music from everything but music nowadays and this is why nobody buys music anymore so why focus on them streaming which you know also helps the publicity so they want you to stream but for the most part based off the popularity from streaming that's how they get these other brand deals where they make majority of their money and that's because nobody's buying music nowadays like three percent sync like what is sync like maybe i'm too young but what in the world do you have to do to get music through sync like what is that like <laughs> i don't know what that is um obviously i know what physical is physical copies you go out to a store and buy you know a cd digital downloads is basically what i uh am more focused on nowadays with my podcast because a listen is different from a download download is um when people can play it offline and online and listen, listening basically is like, oh, it's just whenever you have connection, you know, especially if it's on a DSP download, you can listen to it offline. That's the biggest feature that I believe. So, and also I think you can, once you download it, I think you can edit it. I believe like you can, like you own it. Basically it's like a physical, it's not physical, but it's like digital, digitally yours. Like, it's not going to change. The thing with streaming is somebody can go into a whole album and change it up as far as the beats and 
the 808s now sound like this and back in the day they used to sound like that if you would have purchased it back in the day the physical copy you would have had that version and so when the new version came out you still had the old version streaming if you only stream you're stuck with whatever the artist wants to do with their music right because you don't technically own it anyways let's keep going for this uh because i have a lot more stats to get through <laughs> so the number of people that paid for music subscriptions has more than doubled in the past five years of course and physical media sales have seen a resurgence accounting for 11 percent of recorded music revenue and bringing in 882 million dollars now physical media sales is a very interesting way to put it i think they're talking about vinyls and whenever we're talking about vinyls i have this picture up for a reason save this lady right here she's the one that's doing it with the vinyls like if you want to look at a particular artist that's putting up numbers with vinyls is mrs swift i don't know what it is about the swifties but they need the red blue and green version of whatever taylor swift is putting out like if she puts out three vinyls in three different colorways now they gonna mess around and buy all nine of them like at that point it's just like dang like if if we looking at it from a statistical standpoint Taylor Swift puts out one thing in three different colorways, and now she sold three times more than she would have because literally the Swifties buy whatever. Like, at this point, Taylor Swift probably has, not even probably, she has the most supportive fan base in music history currently. Like, as far as, like, Alive, I know the Beehive's gonna kill me. I know the, uh, the, um, the barbs are going to try to kill me, you know, but it's just a fact like Taylor Swift fans are way more supportive than any other artist fan base. Right. And if you don't believe me, let's just go to the U.S. economy. Apparently. The heiress tour from Taylor Swift is projected to have five billion economic impact on the U.S. according to software company Quest uh, Question Pro. That would produce a GDP larger than 50 countries. So Taylor Swift's out here boosting the economy. So I think it's safe to say that uh, she probably has the most supportive fan base in music currently. Anyways, let's keep going. So streaming remains the dominant source of revenue, obviously, as you see right here. And... Making up 84% of all recorded music revenue, streaming revenue increased by 10.3% in the first half of 2023, reaching 7 billion. And on-demand revenue from ad-supported services increased by only 1%. So that's interesting. On-demand revenue from ad-supported services. I don't know what that means. On-demand revenue. Are they talking about like DSPs? Maybe that's what no that's that that's like download supported platforms i don't know anyways uh taylor swift and beyonce are currently making the biggest impact as far as artists street or artists in the music industry and uh let me see oh somebody typed that was nice uh somebody typed in chat they said taylor swift or beyonce that's what all the women like now oh you yeah hey you, you're a prophet because that's what i was just about to get into so basically Taylor Swift and Beyonce are currently making the biggest impact uh, via live music versus recorded music. So 
when it comes to music, I, I keep saying, artists don't make money off of you streaming their music. They just, if you've seen the numbers it takes to even make like $1 from streaming, it, it's insane. That's why they tell you to buy their music, right? They never be like, oh, just stream it. Like obviously they, they want you to stream it if you can't buy it, but they'll prefer you to buy it. That's because when they go on tour, and those same people who bought the music is going to be the same people who go out to the tour and buy merch uh, while they're at the show and buy uh so like for a show, right? You have to buy a hotel room. You have to eat. That costs money. You have to drive or pay for a driver. Like as far as Uber, that costs money. You have to get to the stadium, buy a ticket. That costs money, of course. Probably the biggest uh, expense. Uh, and don't let you live out of state. Now you got to fly there. Or if you are far away, now you got to drive there. So many different uh, avenues as far as making money and boosting the economy from going to live music. And Taylor Swift and Beyonce is the biggest drivers uh, of that as far as uh, live performances. Hopefully that makes sense. Obviously, Taylor Swift is number one. Like I just said, she's literally boosting the economy. But Beyonce is too. She is no slouch. I don't even think that needs to be said. Just have to, you know, put it in perspective. So the growth in the number of paid streaming subscriptions is slowing down, of course, because more and more people are, are starting to familiarize themselves with DSPs to the point where, I mean, there's only so many people on the planet. So there's only so many accounts you can make uh, unless you're, you know, part of a major label. And then, you know, you just create accounts for fake and stream, <laughs> you know, shout out to J. Cole. But uh, anyways, um, what else? Vinyls, vinyl records, outsold CDs because of taylor swift i'm not even gonna lie to you i don't know any other artist that sells vinyls like taylor swift does like like i just said i don't want to be the dead horse but she sells one vinyl and has three different colorways and and one fan will buy every colorway and i don't understand why it's the same music but hey teach his own that's why y'all the the most supportive fan base in society so anyways overall people continue to show a willingness to pay for music and this information of course is based on RIAAs which is the, pe the people that certify the mid-year report for 2023. All right so getting into the charts because I do have charts pulled up right now so of course this one I had up for the most part of the segment you see the U.S. recorded music revenue digital downloads is at three percent physical copies at 11% and sync is at 3%. Streaming is at 84%. And the reason why some articles have different numbers because all of these places get from their own sources, but they're usually around the same number. That's why you won't see like, oh, streaming. This place says streaming is 84%, but another place says it's like 55. Like it's going to be around the same ballpark, if that makes sense. Anyways, getting into the next chart, we have physical music revenue. So see the first half of 2021, first half of 2022 and now at the first half of 2023 so as you see vinyls has been the biggest it's ever been in um the past three years well two to three years and i keep attributing this to taylor swift because i'm not going to be the dead horse you already know how i feel about the vinyls and the thing with the swifties they just buy every single one that's available so that's why this is bigger than any of the past years because if you look at it I feel like the CDs is really not that big of a jump, but the vinyls is where 
the biggest jump is for music revenue and other is probably streams i ain't gonna lie to you you make i'm not gonna say you don't make any money because obviously these rappers are flexing and stuff but if they're not flexing with the advance that their major label got them or gave them they're probably flexing with like performance money i promise you they're probably not flexing with streaming money like streaming money for artists is pretty slow but when they buy and download and show up to the live events that's where they make their money most of their money from and i believe any artist will tell you that anyways and then our third and final hold on i think it's too big our third and final chart u.s recorded music mid-year revenues as you can see uh we have wholesale and retail and even this goes back to vinyl of course and then the retail it's pretty interesting because if y'all don't know you know there's a pandemic so uh 2020 was rough to 2022 as far as being outside so as far as buying clothes and stuff like you really there's really no need to buy quote-unquote drip because who is you going to go out and and impress like everybody was inside and if you wasn't inside they was looking at you funny so anyways that's basically why this looks like this and um I, i'm still not discrediting 2023 because like i said we could have not bounced back at all like the projections from us shutting down everything was looking pretty spooky and i would say that we've bounced back pretty nicely i know people say we're in a recession and that's i'm attributing that to the um pandemic but at the end of the day i still feel like we're getting back to where we used to be and that's why to bring to bring it full circle the music industry has now recorded an all-time high revenue of 8.4 billion because people wanting to get outside finally felt comfortable enough to come outside and their favorite artist was on tour like a taylor swift like a drake like a beyonce who else is on tour everybody's on tour like a rod wave a little baby literally this is the year for artists to make their money from live events because of the pandemic if that makes sense because a lot of overseas places were shut down even though the u.s opened mid well late 2022 or 2023 no they when did they open up like at the beginning of 2022 I, I believe um overseas places they were still shut down they was like we ain't playing that we are not opening up early so now in 2023 i feel like this is the first full year where everything's open i may be mistaken by that but i do believe and i just got a notification that uh taylor swift is at the kelsey game tonight because uh kansas city plays the jets and if you want another that brings up another point if you want to see another reason how impactful taylor swift is actually let me just do it for you because this is this is actually crazy taylor swift nfl sales right just supporting her boyfriend for the nfl had the biggest um let me see espn i forget what a stat is So she uh so Taylor Swift's presence boosted the ratings and Travis Kelsey's jersey sales by 400%. Women uh women viewership of the NFL was up 63%. Travis Kelsey's IG following was up 600,000. Travis Kelsey's podcast went to number 1 on Apple and 
like I just said, uh, Travis Kelsey's jersey sales went up 400%. And lastly, and definitely shame on you, Kansas City Chiefs, because y'all know what y'all doing. Those ticket sales went up three, uh, basically three times. So like the price of the ticket went up because for some reason, being in the same building as Taylor Swift, you know, everybody loves to do that. So <laughs> it don't matter if she performing or not. So the Taylor Swift effect is real. I'm not just saying that because, you know, uh, I, I'm uh, Taylor's, uh, I'm a Swifty or whatever. I just like to look at the numbers as, you know, I call myself analytic, analytic dreams. I like to look at the numbers and, and see who running them up the most. And at this point in time, it's definitely Taylor Swift. So anyways, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about the music industry recording an all-time high revenue of $8.4 billion in the first half of 2023? And what do you think is the biggest reason for music revenue setting this record? Breaking news. And by breaking news, I mean news that's been broke a couple days ago. WGA writers strike is officially ending but what does that mean for video game connoisseurs like myself there's a possibility of a video game voice actor strike and the reason why is because once you see something work for one group of people in a way that benefits them financially you're going to be more enticed to do the same thing to get that same financial benefit so not everybody's looking to strike to up their money right First, it was the pilots. If y'all forget, if y'all don't, uh, if y'all remember, the pilots went on strike. Like, not too many people, you know, be filming the pilots because I guess they're not famous or whatever. But you know, they literally fly in the plane and you know have to have a bunch of people's lives in their hands. So they went on strike. So it was, all the airlines was was going through it. So they had to pay them, right? UPS workers, they went on strike. And, no, no, no. They, they threatened. They didn't even go on strike. They threatened to go on strike. And UPS was like, we know we can't handle this. All these packages getting delayed. Nope, can't do it. That's lawsuit after lawsuit after. Like, imagine you need something important getting delivered to you and it gets delayed. Nah, I can't do that. So they basically got a pay increase way before they even went on strike. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm conflating some issues. But now... We had SAG-AFTRA and WGA go on strike, and WGA just came to an agreement with the studios and to the point where they received not everything, but most of what they wanted. So the deal that they finally... Uh, the deal that they finally were offered was uh, acceptable by them. So with that being said, all of these strikes are efficient, are efficient in increasing revenue for the workers so why not more groups why wouldn't more groups follow suit and that's what i'm here to talk about so the video game voice actors are set to go on strike sac aftra of course the is still on strike representing artists is seeking strike authorization from voice act actor artists and if approved the strike could impact video game companies like ea activision and insomniac Shameless plug to my Analytic Dreams video podcast on Spotify to look at the video version along with the audio. But if you don't know, Insomniac is, is basically over the Spider-Man franchise currently with Spider-Man PS4, Spider-Man 2, 
which is already um, finished, so like those aren't in jeopardy. But they're currently working on Wolverine, which that could be pushed back. Um, a project that nobody that we haven't heard anything about yet that could get pushed back. And EA works on all type of stuff from uh, Star Wars to uh, basically EA has a lot of stuff could, that could get pushed back. So from Star Wars to like sports games, like it's, it's going to get pushed back. And of course, Activision with Call of Duty, like everybody knows Activision. That stuff, If it, honestly, all you got to say is Call of Duty going to get pushed back. And I think the, li the lines are going to start getting blurred about who uh, supports who, you know. But um, obviously, I support this strike as, you know, it's for the workers being compensated more for the work like in the midst of a recession why not compensate your workers for doing the job well right actors are concerned about the violation of the voices and ai projects without consent so it comes back full circle to what the wga was originally striking for the uses of ai is to a point where you can do some unthinkable things and get away with it. So now you have to crack down even harder so that your hard work isn't being mimicked in other ways via AI technology. Because we're at the point now where Bard, Chatbot GPT, uh, Bing just came out with some type of AI. But anyways, these AIs can do stuff that you cannot imagine. And I, I didn't even get into the voice uh, recognition side of things. AI can start mimicking voices to the point where you would think something is said by a person but it's completely ai like that's how legit technology has advanced too with that being said they also seek better compensation compensation and residuals given the rising cost of living and industry revenues and a strike could have international implications for video game characters oh no video game actors and the strike authorization received overwhelming support from union members, of course. The authorization doesn't guarantee a strike, but provides leverage in negotiations. Because if somebody doesn't think you'll leave from a deal, why would they go back and, and, and change it, basically, to, to take more money out of their pockets? Like, owners, I saw this quote, right? I wasn't going to even bring this up. Hold up. Let me see if I can find this, because this quote was ridiculous. And this pertains to the to the topic, so that's why I gotta look this up. Hopefully it just pulls it up. I think I'm I think I'm getting better with technology. I don't know. Oh I am. Alright, here we go. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be I'll be struggling. Alright, um, here we go. A millionaire CEO calls for a forty percent rise in unemployment because workers are quote too arrogant. I kid you not. And if you don't believe me, look at this for yourself. And for um, people over at the video channel, here here it is in full. I think the problem that we've had is... Oh, hold on. That's way too low. That we, yeah, we, we have... People decided they didn't really want to work so much anymore through COVID, and that has had a massive issue on productivity. You know, mm. tradies have definitely pulled back on productivity. You know, they, they have been paid a, paid a lot to do not too much in the last few years. He said paid a lot to not do much. And we need to see that change. We need to see unemployment rise. Unemployment. This man said we need to see unemployment rise and to jump by 40 
and 50%. Has to jump 40, 50% in my view. We need to see pain in the economy. We need to remind people that they work for the employer, not the. I wonder if this man, it looks like this man is talking in front of a live audience, which is very telling. Because you know how when sometimes people get to uh, monologuing or giving a soliloquy and people in the crowd, they'll start applauding, right? They'll start, yeah, that's right. You go, yeah, you talking. Everybody's dead silent while he's saying this because who in the world is going to clap for somebody saying we need to see a rise in unemployment i swear to you i cannot make this up the other way around i mean there is a there's been a systematic change where employees feel the employer is extremely lucky to have them um, as opposed to the other way around so it's a dynamic that has to change we've got to kill that attitude and that has to come through and I think the wording is very interesting. He said we have to kill that attitude of employers feeling lucky for the employee. Uh, that, I messed that up. Basically, he wants to kill the attitude of the employee feeling lucky. Or no, thinking that the employer is lucky to have them. Basically saying that they need to feel like they're workers instead of being empowered and feel like they're adding to the company that's that's technically what he's saying he like don't think y'all added to nothing like obviously we give y'all a paycheck but don't feel like we're lucky to have you like you know and that's look he's gonna keep going in the economy which is what the whole global you know the the world is trying to do the governments around the world are trying to increase unemployment to get that to some sort of normality and we're seeing it i think every employer now is seeing it i mean there is definitely massive layoffs going off people might not be talking about it, but people are definitely laying people off and we're starting to see less arrogance in the employee. And that is a point where I think he had, a, he had that, that was his best point, what he said right here. Be talking about it, but people are definitely laying off. People might not be talking about it. I think every employer now is seeing it. I mean, there is definitely massive layoffs going off. There are massive layoffs happening and it is because owners really think like this man is thinking he's just brave enough to say it i don't know if it's brave arrogant could be both he's basically the only one saying it but he's telling you exactly how owners feel about employers and probably 90 to 95 cent of him, of owners feel like this right now people might not be talking about it but people are definitely laying people off and we're starting to see less arrogance in the employment market and that has to continue because that will cascade across the cost balance. So, like I said, these owners aren't playing around. So that's why all these strikes are happening because guess what? The employees are also not playing around. So now we had a, uh, we had a crossroad. So, uh, what else? A strike could also have international implications for video game actors. Uh, the strike authorization received overwhelming support. Already said that. Doesn't guarantee a strike. Negotiations have been going. Okay, so negotiations have been go ongoing for nearly a year, focusing on compensation, AI use, and safety measures. Uh, I think that's about the WGA stuff. The next negotiation rounds, that's WGA. Um... The strike aims to address the needs of voice actors to earn fair compensation and protect their livelihoods. And that, ladies and gentlemen, some sums up the majority of what I've been talking about this entire segment. If the owner feels like how this guy in the video 
was talking. The only way to show that employers are also serious about their work is to go on strike. So obviously being in a recession, we're going to go through stuff like this. Workers want to get paid more. Employees think they, I mean, employers think they don't do enough to make more. So we just go on strike. Now let's see. Now we don't, now we're not doing anything. <laughs> then we're going to see uh, uh, what you come back with for the counter offer. So that's currently where we're at. And once again, it's a possibility, nothing set in stone, but it seems like it's, it's getting more and more likely to happen, especially with all of these strikes ending in a, a positive result for the uh, employees. Like, so why not follow suit? So anyways, click my link, share my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about WGA rider strike ending one? And also, what do you think about the possibility of a video game voice actor strike i do want to start off by saying that with this podcast being the notorious mass effect it means that i love to cover gaming and hip-hop one thing i came to find out was ceos in the video game community beef more than rappers do like as far as ceo beef i believe in my personal opinion is way more entertaining than any rapper beef that currently exists in the modern day. And with that being said, let's get into our uh, segment, which is PlayStation CEO Ryan, uh, Jim Ryan and his comments on the Xbox Game Pass. Now, obviously, this man retired, but we're not going to get to that point just yet, because guess what? If you're working a job for a while and right before you retire, you just take one last shot at the opposition, like a big shot. So it's like, this is like some crash out mission against your opposition right before you retire. You got to respect it. Like for Jim Ryan to spin the block figuratively on Phil Spencer and trash his vision one last time before retiring, you just have to respect it, man. You got to respect it. But anyways, in all seriousness, Jim Ryan called the Xbox Game Pass value destructive, which as a music connoisseur, I have a pretty interesting perspective on because streaming for musicians cut their profits in a way that I don't think they would have projected. Now, hear me out. Physical copies obviously make artists way more money than you press and play on your on whatever DSP you use to listen to their music. That's why artists always say either purchase my album, download my album. But then after those two options, they always say stream because stream is the least amount <clears throat> as far as re revenue. That's the least amount of revenue they get. Uh, artists don't make money from people streaming their music they make money from purchases of albums purchases of merch purchases of tickets for the live performance so whenever all the music in the world is under a subscription model it lessens the value uh for the field so i understand and i honestly agree where jim ryan is coming to with the value destructive point 
I believe this was literally a reason why WGA went on strike. Because if you think about it, you're not going to tell me 50. That's not even. I don't know how many people work on a movie. Hold on. Let's look that up. On average. How many people work on a movie? Because for music, obviously, you can have your producer, rapper. You may get some other people, but for the most part, it doesn't take that many people to make a track, which why people are like, hey, stream is not that bad. But for movies, right, it takes about 500 people to work on a movie. And obviously, it could vary depending on the scope and size of the film. But for video games, right, let's do video games. Let's not even do video games because PlayStation is in the business of AAA video games. Let's do AAA video games, which you, if you don't know, that's like the biggest studio, the biggest development team size you can have. I believe that's how you quantify it as AAA. Anyways. Cause I'm getting to a point with this. Cause I, I wanted to start off basically saying I acknowledge and I feel like his point is on a nose, but then this point is why, um, <clears throat> no, actually, no, this adds on to my like agree, uh, agreeance. Is that a word? I don't think so. Anyways, I agree with what he's saying. And this is my other statement to back that up around a hundred to 200 people work on a triple a video game. So when it comes to music, it already is like, one to two people maybe maybe more for a single song like you hear rappers like Lil Wayne making like 50 songs in the studio in one night right you're not making 50 games 50 nothing no movie video game nothing in one night like that's just not possible not happening ever so basically the scope to to um or the size of the team you need to make a video game and to make movies is way more than, than you need to make music right but that's not the discussion i basically bring that up to say this is even more egregious which is um with them going to streaming because of how many people it takes like people let music slide because they're like it really doesn't take that much to make a single song or whatever but for video games and, and movies they're like ain't no way we put all this work just to just for you to put us under a 10 to 13 dollar paywall amongst a variety of other movies it's like our work is way more valuable than that so i get where jim ryan is coming from with the value destructive standpoint and he also said that publishers uh, publishers which is like ea insomniac uh from software like people who develop games right well no i think that's development studios publishers is like ea publishers is like uh think activision is a publisher basically the big dogs right um who has like subsidiaries of uh game developers they said that they the, uh well jim ryan ceo of playstation said that those publishers unanimously well he said publishers in general so let me not be specific because that's incorrect so publishers unanimously said that they do not like the game pass because it's value destructive so First, he said is value destructive. Then he backed up his statement by saying that publishers also believe that it's value destructive, but he did not specify which publishers expressed these concerns. So it could be cap. You could just be saying that because I believe that 
you should never believe an anonymous source. Like, if it's such a... No, that that's... I mean, that's too broad, right? Obviously, anonymous sources in some aspects is, is great because, like, what if, you know, some violent is happening but in the in the lighthearted topics of um for example if you watch sports when they say anonymous gm came out and said this player trash you know like <laughs> sources like that when that's anonymous i don't believe it at all i'm like for lighthearted topics such as this and subjects such as this you cannot be anonymous and think you're point is going to be taken seriously so when jim ryan put his name on this and said it's value destructive i agree when he said publishers and he didn't specify i'm like eh, i don't know if you're really telling the truth with like because what if he's just talking about publisher that's falling off like yeah i'm agree with you just to you know like just to boost you up and hopefully you put my game on your platform but anyways um xbox head phil spencer reported to the uk competition and markets authority that game pass because you know of course with ceo beef they got to shoot at each other and when they get shot they shoot him back when he gets shot i'm shooting right back like it's a never-ending battle right xbox head phil spencer reported to the uk competition and uh, markets authority that game pass led to a decline in the market value what the game pass led to a decline in the market value. Oh, is this when it was getting sued? That's interesting. So he basically agreeing with the uh PlayStation CEO. I mean, there's no way that stream you there's no way you're gonna tell me that streaming is good for the field. There's just no way. There's too many people that work on video games. $13 paywall to play any game you want, lessons, the the pay for everybody making that video game that's just something i believe is a fact obviously people be like oh well you can go buy the game if you want to support it well i'm also not stupid if i'm a if i can purchase a product for 13 dollars, why would i purchase it for 70 you know anyways let's get back to it so i remember when um xbox was acquiring activision playstation was like oh it's a monopoly and all that type of stuff and then that's when reports like phil spencer was coming out basically saying the game pass led to the decline basically saying they broke and they need activision and we ain't no monopoly right so i, I do remember when that start, stuff started coming out like microsoft was copping please to get uh activision or to acquire activision they was like man we trash like we, we like please have us activision like we ain't nothing close to a monopoly like honestly our game pass led to a decline in market value so that's how that came about. Anyways, uh, Microsoft as a company, though, of course, is, is doing phenomenal. Like, I mean, they sell other products besides gaming. Like gaming loses them money. I think everything else makes them a surplus of money because they reported that they had uh, $3 billion in profits from the subscription service in 2022. And they also increased the price for Game Pass in July 2023, but only for the console version, because they probably realized that we're not making no money. We losing money. Might as well raise the subscription price because it just makes sense. Uh, we're paying way too much than we're making. Jim Ryan also announced. Um, so after he so in conclusion, after Jim Ryan spun the block like there was nowhere to park. Shout out to 21 Savage and shot at uh ceo phil spencer in a way that he could not come back from basically saying that the game pass is very destructive to the value of video games phil spencer had no response so i don't know if that was the, the uh 
the white flag that he needed to to just to send off but after that shot he basically was like thanos at at the end of infinity war and just looking into the sunset because now it came out that he announced his retirement from sony interactive of course in march 2024 after almost 30 years that's longer than i've been alive this man been working for a company for almost 30 years with the playstation business So his successor is um, her, Hiroko. I ain't, I'm not trying to be funny. It's um, I, I can't pronounce this. Hiroko Hiroki Toko, to Totoki Hiroki Totoki. Hopefully I said that right. I'm so sorry if I mispronounce it. Uh, I swear I'm not trying to be funny. Um, what else? So he's gonna be Sony Group Corporation president. Will assume the role of chairman of sie effective october 2023 and serve as interim ceo of playstation starting april 2024 uh ryan also well jim ryan also mentioned that it became increasingly challenging for him to reconcile living in europe and working in north america <laughs> i'm not laughing but come on now why that man living in europe y'all know why he living in europe you know what i mean it's if it ain't tax evasion, I don't know what it is. Nah, let me chill. Let me chill. That's a lot to put on somebody. But hey, people live overseas for a reason. Shout out to the uh to the to the Logan and Jake Paul. So, anyways, I know what he's doing. That man said, Hey, I can't be over here. Have I think you have to live over there for like 140 to 200 days to be considered like a citizen, not a citizen, but for your taxes to be like the same as overseas taxes. I don't know. I'm not going to get into the scheme because people be playing the game and the game is to be sold, not told. And that is not what this segment is about. So anyways, um, at the end of the day, um, PlayStation CEO spun the block on Microsoft CEO. And after he completely demolished him, he decided it was time to retire. But in all seriousness, at the end of the day, you know, they still respect each other as Microsoft's CEO, Phil Spencer, tweeted his appreciation for Jim Ryan and his contributions to the industry and wished him the best in his future endeavors. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about PlayStation CEO spinning the block on the Xbox CEO and basically the Xbox CEO having no retort and actually having statements out there um, dignifying what uh jim ryan said and uh do you think that the xbox game pass is value destructive for the gaming industry sony saw microsoft out here spinning dough like it was going out of style and they was like hey we can do that too because they just spent 329 million on third-party deals in a fiscal year right also, development personnel and in-house costs will increase by approximately 183 million. And recent par partnerships include Haven Entertainment Studios and a 200 million investment in Epic Games. Reason why I say that is because I don't call myself analytic dreams for no reason. I'd be watching who is running up the numbers and who's spending the bread to make that happen because if you don't know 
currently microsoft just buying any and every publisher they can uh, uh possibly buy like literally they started buying so many that playstation took them to court it was like ain't no way you're gonna acquire activision without us taking you to court and guess what they took them to court and because microsoft if you don't know in the in the grand scale of things they have way more money than, than sony so they ended up winning that that uh, whole lawsuit and it was like uh we're acquiring activision and we're just gonna promise to not make call of duty uh exclusive to xbox wink wink they're gonna make some call of duty 2.0 call it something else and make it exclusive to xbox like xbox like microsoft not slick like they was real tongue-in-cheek with the whole we're not gonna make call of duty exclusive like yeah all right watch out for uh, a titanfall-esque game to come out and be exclusive to um xbox like even though that's that's developed by respawn but i'm just giving y'all an example um so yeah this story is really not too much uh about it that's uh complex really it's just sony is trying to use exclusive games to boost ps5 sales such as uh demon souls remake upcoming tied uh titles like uh, those games already came out uh playstation 5 let me see has been successful despite stock shortages of course and they face criticism for a temporary closure of digital storefronts for older PlayStation consoles. I didn't even know that was a thing. So with that being said, the biggest reason I'm even covering them is because Sony investing 300 million in first party studios is the main objective for right now. And they said that the investment is for developing software at existing studios and releasing games on multiple platforms. They trying to pull a uh they trying to pull a microsoft like yeah we're gonna put these games out on multiple platforms oh no we're gonna have these publishers put out these games on multiple platforms and then somehow some way a game is gonna go uh console exclusive because i could have swore i could have swore that starfield was supposed to be on playstation am i tripping nowhere did i hear that that starfield was an xbox exclusive when xbox when starfield was first announced I was under the impression that it was coming out on every console. Now, obviously, they wasn't like always oh, coming out on every console, but they wasn't like always oh, coming out only for Xbox. So I'm like, I was confused. I was just like, I see a game trailer. I'm thinking it's going to be available for every console. Uh, it comes closer to release date. They're like, oh, by the way, it's an Xbox exclusive. Well, I guess I'm playing Cyberpunk then. But anyways, so, so Sony also sees value in first-party software and continues to increase funding for own studios, of course, because uh, if you don't pour more money to the studios that's creating these hits, then why, you know, try to go out and buy more first-party? It's not like the people they have not making no hits, like Spider-Man, uh, Horizon, Ratchet & Clank, God of War. Like, they, they putting out some hits. Like, I think Ghost of Tsushima was a PlayStation exclusive. Like, there was a stretch where literally PlayStation was having every game of the year come out on their console exclusively to the point where everybody was like, does the Xbox even have games? Like, obviously, it's a lot better this year, much more improved this year with uh, Hi-Fi Rush, with uh, Starfield. 
is Liza P exclusive to Xbox? I don't know. Anyways, Xbox has actual games now. And so that joke of Xbox having no games is, is unfortunately played out because that was one of my favorite jokes to make. But uh, anyways, uh, Sony plans to aggressively invest in first party studios, including Naughty Dog and Santa Monica Studio. If you don't know Naughty Dog, I, I don't That's crazy. I brought up the PlayStation exclusives. I didn't even bring up Last of Us. Last of Us, so good. They, they didn't turn into a TV show um and that's exclusive on playstation i forgot about that one so naughty dog makes last of us santa monica studios i believe they make god of war anyways the company aims to strengthen the playstation platform and enhance social and platform capabilities of games global playtime on playstation platforms increased by 20 percent in march compared to march 2019 if you don't know i think that was the turning point for when people start to realize that spider-man was exclusive to playstation god of war was exclusive to playstation like why do we even have an xbox so i think that's when it started to turn the tide overwhelmingly in uh sony's favor so that's why that march 2019 date is very interesting because um that's when i think it happened but anyways uh sony expects to continue to have continued uh player engagement for the physical year ahead and of course they will because at this point I mean, Starfield's definitely going to help out Xbox a lot, but with Cyberpunk coming out right after Starfield, which I still think is a strategic move, even though it's multi-platform, but now people who have that Starfield itch could kind of scratch it with Cyberpunk. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, obviously you can't go to, well, it's a spoiler, so I'm not going to say that. Let's just say you can scratch that itch with uh, Cyberpunk. So, because uh, for me, I was thinking about getting a whole console to play Starfield. Like, Starfield looks really good to me. Um obviously to a lot of other people but you know some people are hating on it but uh now i can just play cyberpunk which is probably what i'm gonna do after i beat spider-man at least 20 billion times uh when it comes to october 20th so <laughs> anyways uh click my link share in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about sony investing 300 million into its first party uh playstation studios and and focusing more on um third party deals and so what do you think about PlayStation investing heavily into PlayStation 5, including third-party deals and first-party studios? And what studio would you like to see Sony invest more dollars into? It is about time to get into one of the biggest comeback stories since Paul George and him breaking his leg and coming back to the Clippers. Because let me tell you something. A lot of things are broken, you know, things break all the time. Bones, hearts, buildings, objects, objects and buildings. Basically, you get you get what I'm about to say, right? Cyberpunk 2077 was one of the most broken games I've ever seen. As far as uh, total in totality, Cyberpunk 2077 is one of the more broken games I've ever seen because Honestly, some people was able to play the game as soon as it launched and get through it with no problems, right? That's why I say in totality. Because when I tell you I've seen glitch glitches in a video game that I thought wasn't even possible. I saw a man drive a car right through a building and nothing broke. 
like and he wasn't supposed to be in that area in the, in the slightest like he was just driving went right through the building and went off the map i've never seen that before in a video game i know f for some of y'all y'all probably like man that ain't nothing but for me i like to play games that work so <laughs> i've never seen nothing like that now i'm not gonna spend most of this time explaining how broken of a game cyberpunk 2077 was because the reason why i say paul george is in fact or it's for a fact that cyberpunk 2077 has officially fixed itself phantom liberty phantom liberty dlc is one of the best marketing strategies i've seen for a video game this year because they're essentially charging for a whole new game but for half a game for people who already have uh the base game if that makes sense so i'm about to explain it right and before i explain it make sure to follow my analytic dreams video podcast on spotify for the uh video along with the audio because right now it's kind of like showing the graphics performance and ray tracing mode for the ps5 and xbox if you want to see that uh, uh, along with what i'm talking about then you can but that being said um what i want to get at is cyberpunk i lost my train of thought so we're just gonna completely change whatever i was about to say phantom liberty uh phantom liberty oh i remember sorry i'm not that old yet but uh <laughs> so the base game is 30 dollars, right the dlc is an additional 30 dollars. if you've never played cyberpunk you are essentially i know new gen games are technically 70 dollars now but back in the well not back in the old day like a year or two ago you will be paying for essentially the, the full price for a game if you buy the base game and then you buy the dlc as basically the price of a full game now i know this may not be revolutionary or it may not be super uh basically it's probably not the pioneer of dlc right but for me personally this is the first time i've seen a marketing strategy where they essentially released a full price game in a way that doesn't make it seem like it was once broken hopefully this makes sense cyberpunk phantom liberty which is phantom liberty is is a major major dlc for cyberpunk 2077 so it's not like oh they're charging you just because they fixed the game this dlc adds new stories we have a whole new a-list actor in the game in idris elba uh keanu reeves is back um and is very involved in the dlc story has new story district characters weapons vehicles like it adds a plethora of new things with phantom liberty so it's not just charging people for no reason it's just because oh we fixed the game so now we just raise the price no and they're really showcasing how much they believe in this setting by developing a new dlc and continuing because it's been like three years since this game come out came out i believe and they've continued to work on this to the point where people say is now officially it only took three years <laughs> but it's officially at the point where they believe it should have been at the start as far as it just being completely polished from start to finish obviously you may run into bugs but at this point you most likely won't 
and what they've suggested is you start as a new character instead of putting effort into continuing your existing character i don't know why they say that i think they're just saying that as another part of the uh to bring this full circle as part of the, what i was saying about the marketing strategy i think they're just saying that so somebody out there wants to play the game again they're like oh they're basically telling me it's a brand new game and now you're paying 30 for the base game paying 30 for dlc basically then pay for a whole new game and so now essentially cd project red they put out then effectively found a way to put out the game again if that makes sense obviously dlc you know has a way to bring people back to your game but not in this manner cyberpunk is basically being talked about like it's a whole new game and that i have not seen in a while so that is why i credit the marketing strategy because you don't see this with broken games I think if it wasn't for the anime, um, dang, I forgot what it was called. I I watched it too. The cyberpunk, I think it was called Edge Runners. I forget what it was called. Basically, the anime, I watched it, right? In its entirety. And when I tell you, I'm not even an anime person. That was one of the greatest pieces of, of TV I watched in a while. Like, the pacing was immaculate. The story was was engaging. It... it every single character you would have liked to see a whole series based on them that's how good that that uh tv show was and i think there's no spoiler but i think they could have stretched this tv show out to like three to four series at the very least the amount of stuff they cover they could have stretched this, that one season into like three to four seasons which inherently lets you know that they're not taking your time for granted they're getting into the story in a way that is really captivating and one of the best storytelling uh like one of the best executions of storytelling i've seen in a while so anyways um of course how do you start phantom uh phantom liberty is something that cyberpunk fans are probably wondering and like i said you can start with a new or existing character and you would need to complete the transmission main story mission and then receive a call from song so me to start I don't know what that is because I ain't never played the game. But hey, if you want to learn how to start Phantom Liberty, you can. And like I said, there's no spoilers being said throughout this whole entire segment. I'm just covering the basis of Cyberpunk. So the biggest new features from, from this DLC is improved police and enemy AI, which was a big deal. Um, revamped user interface, was a, which was another big deal. Uh, a whole new map in Dogtown, which is really extension of the original map. Uh, new activities and side quests, of course. New weapons, cyberware. Um, what else? New radio stations. Oh, that's another thing. Um, I'm not going to... Well, I might as well. So Idris Elba put out this cyberpunk song, right? And I reviewed it on my podcast. So definitely look up Idris Elba, Notorious Master Figure should definitely pop up. But this man put out a track for cyberpunk he put out three tracks i kid you not one of them sounded like he was doing in person a good impersonation like not bad a good impersonation of travis scott another song sounded like he was doing a good impression uh, impersonation of the rapper dave aka Lil dicky and then the third one sounded like this man was just straight up daft punk if that's how you say it and uh marshmallow the way it was just like some some techno beat type of uh vibe so anyways um that was fantastic um what else 
new weapons vehicles okay i already said all that uh it's basically how to get it okay so how to get the phantom liberty dlc right so the standalone purchase is $19.99 so it's $20 on pc uh oh i'm tripping it's $20 on pc playstation 5 and xbox series x thanks so i was $10 off with the dlc and, and it's included in uh it's included on sorry i was fixing it for the video people on uh spotify So it's twenty dollars for a PC, PlayStation Five, and Xbox Series X and S. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven season pass is for thirty dollars, so that's what's for thirty dollars, and it includes future updates. So it's already included. If you bought the season pass, you already get it. So that's another way they reward people for already being invested. Um, requires the base game, so that's the thing I was saying. Like you have to buy the base game and then buy the DLC. Um, includes a free update with various changes for all players uh so it, it it probably comes out to uh 50 dollars instead of 60 i thought it was 60 so i don't know why i thought the standalone dlc i swear i looked it up on the playstation i i went to my playstation marketplace right i looked at it, it said 30 i looked at the base game and said 30 so i just assumed thir uh, 60 so maybe that's incorrect maybe it's only 50 but anyways you're still paying basically for a new game uh what else That's basically it. So, shout out to CD Projekt Red for taking the time out to actually fix their game and, uh, you know, show showcasing what it looks like for developers to actually care about a game instead of just trying to get a cash grab. Because for the longest, when Avengers came out, I mean, they was putting out DLC and stuff, and they was like, oh, it's serviceable, but they st it's still trying to get you for your money. With CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk, the reason why they didn't end up like the Avengers is because they actually cared about their game. They wasn't just trying to squeeze people out of money. And so they, they uh, improved upon the, the base foundation into what it is now. And what, pe what some people are saying, this is one of the better games of 2023 because now it's by far and away better than any RPG because it's the one the amount you get as far as content if you're starting from scratch it's insane you could be playing this game for months and still not run out of stuff to do um and for some games aka starfield with it being at its you know at at its foundation it may not have as much content because granted cyberpunk's been a, around longer so now it has more stuff built in fixed than starfield would so instead of like i, I would speak specifically for me instead of me going out right and purchasing a whole entire console just to play starfield which i was contemplating doing i now have cyberpunk which is a polished game ready for uh anybody to pick up on any console and you could argue you get two times three times five times more content than you do in starfield so anyways that's basically all i have for cyberpunk uh i think i covered everything That's basically it. Yeah, that's basically it. So the biggest changes, like I said, to reiterate, with the 2.0 update is improved police AI, vehicle combat, and overhauled perk system. And of course, if you want to see like the more in-depth, I mean definitely follow um Cyberpunk 2077 2.0 updates. You know, they put out patch notes all the time. So 
anyways uh click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about cyberpunk 2077 phantom liberty dlc and also what do you think about cd project red finally putting out the game that everybody hoped for it to be in the first place so in all actuality Elden ring hasn't been as braggadocious in 2023 because they could really talk this stuff you know from software made a video game that literally had all game developers push their game back into the next year because guess what elden ring had game of the year wrapped up when elden ring came out everybody knew there was no game that was going to compete with this one this is the the i think it's the right word this is the crucible the apex of gaming Elden Ring is one of the best games I've ever played in life. And I've played a, a good amount of games. But for 2023, they decided to, you know, not rubbing in the face of, of too many people as not too much news has been coming out about Elden Ring. But I do believe the reason why not too much news has came out for Elden Ring, because if you do, if you know, the developers who made Elden Ring, they're, they're uh, called From Software. From Software made Armor Core. Armor Core came out this year. So I think to not take away too much promotion from that marketing rollout, they didn't show or highlight Elden Ring news too much. Because if you're a studio that has a, a mammoth of a game as successful as Elden Ring, and you're trying to put out another game well every single time you put out news about elden ring it's just going to completely i think submerse is the word the the um the hype for your upcoming game because everybody's gonna be like oh you're putting out new stuff for the game we actually care about but from what i've heard armor core is actually pretty solid and that uh armor core should also be a candidate a candidate for game of the year this year because if you don't know there's a lot of games up for a game of the year this year i think that's the elden ring effect like none of these games that came out this year was was better than elden ring last year and i'm sorry to people who don't like confusing games or hard games but i think it's one of those things it's like it's like reading it's like once you start you get into the world and the world building and then you're just in it you realize that it's way more exciting and enticing than you would originally thought like it's more captivating than you would have than your wildest imagination and i'm not even trying to be funny it's like getting into a good book which if nobody if you don't read then that probably doesn't help you but <laughs> it's like getting into a good video game getting into a good movie that's what elden ring is like think of your favorite entertainment that's what that's the video game format would be Elden Ring. So much lore, gameplay mechanics. And now what this segment is basically about DLC. Shadow of the Earth Tree is a major Elden Ring DLC that's supposed to have a bunch of story impact and a significant amount of uh content for players to play. So we're very excited for it to come out. It says it's releasing in February like the original game so from software silence about the dlc's release date may be part of the strategic marketing plan because like what i said armor core they also made so i don't think they just want to kill the excitement or the hype for that game 
So they're, they're trying to promote Armor Core by not talking about Elden Ring as much. With that being said, fans are still waiting <laughs> for the Elden Ring DLC. Don't think that the hype has died down for Elden Ring. We just haven't received any news because they're hyping up the other game they're making. But once they come out with news about the game we actually want to hear about, the hype is going to build up to a level that you're like, oh, wow, this game is still relevant. And yes, it is still relevant. Um, and for the people wondering, I know I got a couple questions on my uh, Spotify, you know, shameless plug, analytic dreams, video uh, podcast on my Spotify channel to see the video along with the audio. But basically somebody was asking me, they was like, hey, are you ever going to finish the Elden Ring? Um, literally, they said like that. It was like, are you ever going to finish that Elden Ring? I was like, it's not really. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude out here. I mean, it's just, just, you know, helping people out day by day. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I told him, yeah, I told him I was going to finish it at some point. About some point, I mean, whatever I get around to, I ain't gonna lie. I'm playing a lot of games. If I wasn't playing games, I would have been finished it. But you know, I do. Pl I do call myself a gamer for a reason. I like a plethora of different games, a variety of games. I feel like my palette is pretty, pretty expensive. If I, if I do say so myself, so um, I should get around to beating Elden Ring, hopefully before the deal. Like what I'm projecting, right? I play uh, Mortal Kombat until Spider Man comes out. I play Spider-Man to the end of the year, and then January, I can end up beating Elden Ring. I know what you're saying. October, November, December, you're going to be playing Spider-Man? Yes. I'm going to beat Spider-Man. I'm going to beat Spider-Man again, and I'm going to beat Spider-Man again. <laughs> it's like, it's going to be an everlasting cycle of me playing Spider-Man. Like That game's going to... And I may play it until uh, 2024, but once January starts, I think I'm going to try to finish Elden Ring. So for that person, that specific person, that asked that question if I was going to be Elden Ring, yes, I do plan on doing it. So if you follow the Spotify, which he does, I'm just saying for other people, if you follow that channel, that's why I put all my gameplay walkthroughs and stuff. So that being said, um, lost my place. So yeah, it's basically it. They're talking about marketing strategies and stuff. They say it is rumored, allegedly, take it with a grain of salt, uh, supposed to be a, a trailer for the DLC announcement for the Game Awards at December, which would make a lot of sense. I mean, why not showcase a trailer at the game at the show where you literally wore a uh, one best game of the year? Like it was wrapped up. Like people was like, "Oh, is a uh, God of War Ragnarok gonna beat it? Beat out Elden Ring?" Like it wasn't no real conversation. Like everybody was just trying to think of a second a runner up. So this year, you know, I feel like it's a lot more competition, but that's just simply because Elden Ring doesn't exist. So. Honestly, this year, nah, I'm not. I would call Baldur's Gate, nah, because it's such a niche game. Like, at least with Elden Ring, like, you can uh, gravitate towards some mechanics. I feel like turn-based games is very niche. Nothing wrong with it. I just don't think it has the mass appeal like an Elden Ring can have. So that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Elden Ring and the Shadow of the Earth Tree? being uh rumored to have a trailer release for the game awards show this december and are you excited to play the dlc or are you excited to play elden ring once more now before i start right i was saying this to my live chat but this, this is what i gotta do i gotta point out that four percent of my audience is from mexico we do around 80,000 weekly downloads every week 
So this is what I want to say, right? If I cover this segment involving the cartel, if I ever come to Mexico, I need a certain majority of the 3,200 people to protect me. Because <laughs> what I'm about to say is not in offense. I do not mean no i can't even get it out i'm so i'm i'm so uh flustered right i'm not speaking negative about the cartel i'm just covering this segment in a way that i believe is impactful to the masses and especially for peso pluma fans all right so with that being said let's get into the segment remember no offensive or no offense to anybody who this may concern right all type of please i'm copping two for one sale the way i'm copping please anyways so peso pluma if y'all don't know mexican musician i've said multiple times he's my favorite right this particular track from him i think it's called culona let's see if i can pull this up honestly it's on my playlist and my playlist is on my uh my link tree if you want to look at it but yeah so carol g and peso pluma q lona that track is beyond fire i don't care if i don't know a single word that track is straight fuego so with that being said peso pluma is one of those type of artists and musicians that's running up the charts on billboard and he's running up the charts um well he's running up the charts in real life so by real life i mean like his fans are showing up to his performances and with that that's where this segment uh that's where this comes into play because he had to cancel a show and t huana i think j with an h so t huana mexico due to alleged threats death threats from the cartel the threats were made through narco i don't know you know hey i'm just reading off the news another plea cop <laughs> The threats were made through Narco Mantis banners, supposedly on behalf of the cartel. Um, is that a name? Definitely not snitching. Uh, let's keep going. The banners warned Peso Pluma not to perform on October 14th, stating it will be his last performance. Mm. That would spook me. Let's keep going. Peso Pluma's management announced the show's cancellation on Instagram, citing the safety of everyone involved. And I do have up the um, announcement he made for one of the canceled dates. It's just in Spanish. So if you don't speak Spanish, if you don't read Spanish, you out of luck. <laughs> so anyways, uh, let's keep going. The artist's songs contain references to the narco lifestyle, including mentions of Joe Queen, El Chapo, guzman drugs and weapon weaponry obviously you know who el chapo is right let's keep going authorities arrested a man responsible for placing the threatening banners in tijuana so the person who put that banner up was arrested i'm not going to speak on any side all i'm gonna say is you know they did what they had to do let's keep going peso pluma's popularity has grown rapidly but his lyrics have drawn criminal attention leading to safety concerns for concert goers dang what is this the mexican travis scott anyways his next scheduled concert at the after the cancellation is on september 
30th in Chula Vista. Now, the reason why I wanted to touch on this is because it's very interesting the, the way that the certain powers that be can influence entertainment. That's why I'm going to leave it at. As we just saw somebody connected to Tupac's murder that happened 23 years ago just now be solved only because he's blatantly profiting off of that incident through books, interviews, and things of that nature. Police was like, we're not going to have that. You're not just going to be out here bragging about this murder, one of the biggest unsolved murders, quote-unquote, and you're just out here bragging about it. So we're going to lock you up, and now you're charged with allegedly giving the weapon to the killer when originally you were supposed to have immunity, right? So all I'm, I say that, I say all that to say this. The legal system is very interesting in the way they let certain things slide and not others. And that's all I'm going to say. So, <laughs> hey, like I said, two for one on please cops because I'm copping them. Um, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. For my Peso Pluma fans out there, how do y'all feel about his standing, his uh, stance against... How do you find his situation with the cartel? And for the people there, how serious is it? And do you think Peso Pluma will be able to keep rising as an up-and-coming artist with this type of heat and death threats from the cartel? The beef between Nikki and Cardi is forever lasting, right? So now... When we get into their husbands, quote unquote, beefing, because really, as we've seen and as it's unfolded, it's a one sided beef. And it's resulted in him being sentenced to house arrest to be in a video proclaiming that we're outside, we're outside. Yeah, you guys ain't here, but hey, don't mess with me because me and my homies, we outside. And then not even 24 hours after to be sentenced to house arrest for violating the terms of his probation. That's just beyond idiotic. You know, it's to the point where we have to start looking at Nicki Minaj and why she's even with him because of certain stuff that he's convicted on. Like literally convicted. For, for certain stuff that, that's like he's convicted for stuff that if I have like I'm gonna say it but literally I have to preface it with this could be a trigger warning for somebody right Nikki's husband is convicted for the attempted rape of Jennifer Hugh in 1994 for which he served over four years in prison and then after the fact Hugh, the victim, all the way in 2021, sued Petty, which is the guy, and uh, well, his real name is Kenneth Petty, so they're using his last name. So she sued Kenneth and Nikki in 2021, alleging intimidation, harassment, and threats related to her rape accusation. Why involve yourself in that if you don't have to? At this point, 
it's more than obvious that it's a choice that Nicki is making. But being one of the greatest rappers to ever live, male or female, being the queen of the women rap space where it's not even close, nobody comes close. Nicki literally just put up one of her biggest tracks of all time with Super Freaky Girl and her main competition that I have on the screen failed to even be in the top 10 is is holding on for for dear life to be in the top 50 where her track bond goes with megan the stallion right so you look at that and just the, the difference of one and two the 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 gap that nikki has with the competition in the women's space it's like why would you not attach yourself to somebody with more prestige and you and you you disregard that to attach yourself to a man that's convicted of of raping someone like it's just very insane the way that Nikki is going about which some people may be like if the girl's in love then so be it right I don't think y'all understand what I'm saying right now Nikki is literally one of the greatest rappers ever put that to the side has made the most money and it, it, it has made the most money as far as women rappers in the industry that to the side has had fashion deals a whole iconic cult-like fan base in the barbs put that to the side and now you're attached to Lil Wayne and Drake forever as being young money one of the greatest hip-hop trios of all time and what what you do it like who you attach yourself with as far as marriage because if she was just dating him obviously we'll be like damn that's messed up but we wouldn't care as much they are literally married she calls herself miss petty and she knew all of this before marrying this guy so it's like i just don't understand right as a Nicki minaj fan myself i don't understand some of the decisions being made and it's her life obviously but as notorious mass effect and as me being calling myself analytic dreams with this platform it will be a disservice to the hip-hop community to not point out how much hypocrisy and how much detrimental effects can happen just from attaching yourself to a certain partner so now every time that this man gets sentenced to house arrest for violating his terms of probation guess what they're going to put in the news Nicki minaj's husband kenneth petty has been sentenced to house arrest for violating the terms of his probation isn't it's not kenneth petty has been sentenced to house arrest it's Nicki minaj's husband has been sentenced to house arrest now you're attaching yourself to negative publicity in a way that could have been easily avoided now, why was he sentenced to house arrest? Let's get into the drama of the situation. I don't even like covering drama, but because it's Nikki and she's the biggest, that I might as well cover it, right? Nikki Petty made Nikki Petty, my fault. Kenneth Petty made threatening, well, both of them, basically. So Kenneth and Nikki was making threatening remarks towards uh individual in the company of, of someone with a criminal record believed to be offset, right? cardi b's husband so that's what the violation happened so the violation was basically the violation involved kenneth petty making threatening remarks towards an individual while in the company of someone with a criminal record 
So with that being said, the probation officer also recommended placing Petty Kenneth and the location monitoring program to closely monitor his activities and limit his movements. Obviously, I don't think they. Um, oh yeah, okay. So Kenneth agreed. Oh no, Petty. I don't know which name to call this man. Kenneth Petty <laughs> agreed to the modification terms and waived the personal appearance before the court. And now he's been ordered to serve up to 120 days of house arrest. Y'all understand how insane that? But that is insane. 120 days is a lot. Seven days in a week. Y'all do the math. <laughs> Anyways, um, in July 22nd, well, 2022nd, uh, Kenneth was sentenced to a year of home confinement, three years of probation, and a 55000 fine for failing to register as a sex offender in California. So that's some of the nitty, like, drama that they'll be, like, that's some of the other drama that she attaches herself with for some reason. And, um, or if you want to know, this is not, like, some recent thing. Like, they've been married. They, um, Nikki and Kenneth got married in 2019 and had a son together what else um so this is like serious right you're attaching yourself seriously with somebody like this that's another thing i should have prefaced with that because a lot of people just gonna think oh she could leave him at any time right she has a kid with him chose to get married like she's really taking it serious with a guy who already had all these convictions and violations and it's just like she's trying to promote this gangster appeal for no reason she's already accomplished which is why i kept listing off the accomplishments that that she has like She's already accomplished in it in it in to keep doing this. Or not doing this. To yeah, to keep promoting this type of lifestyle that you're a gangster for ultimately no benefit. Doesn't make sense to me. Like only reason I see her doing this is because Cardi B rose to a height that she didn't ever think that could happen, right? She didn't ever think her the runner up in the women field because don't get it twisted nikki by far is still number one she never thought her runner up competition would get as close as cardi b has gotten to her so every time she takes a jab it's 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 for a reason it's because she's trying to knock her down a peg or two right uh i mean she literally just finished clowning offset by putting up all type of michael jackson memes and stuff because Offset, if you don't know, he went on Kai Sinat, did like a 24-hour stream. He did an interview with Bobby Alhoff, uh, uh, I don't know how to say her name. And he had a whole video basically um, paying homage to Michael Jackson for like one of his singles. I think it was called Fan, just for it to flop. Didn't chart at all. Like, didn't even chart. Like, top 100 Billboard, Offset, major label, he didn't chart at all after doing all that promotion. So, Nicki... Hold on, I wonder if I can find it. I think it was on her Twitter. Nikki spent time to clown him, right? Doing all that effort for just to flop, which, you know, th there's nothing wrong with that. You know, hip hip hop is a context sport. So there's nothing wrong with pointing that out. So this is not like me bashing Nikki, but I'm just, you know, it just plays off of the fact that her husband was also threatening him. And um, yeah, look at this. Because I don't want y'all to think I'm just saying stuff. Look. Michael Jackson meme. Uh, another Michael Jackson meme. Michael Jackson meme for days. Nicki Minaj laughing. Michael Jackson laughing. Uh, and then after that, right? After she posted that, look what she posted. After all that shy. 
And guess what? Guess what the comments are gonna say? Cause the the barbs are, are also they they be tag teaming and, and uh clowning these people. I wonder if they I wonder if anybody says the name. Nobody's saying the name. I, I love I love how they, they keeping it. Like it's like an inside joke to them. So I, I like how her cold fan base like actually understands her humor. Cause they don't wanna like act like or give him no promotion, but they, they want to clown him without giving a promotion, which is why the Barbs is like, they actually are, are one of the better fan bases in, in music. Can you not look at tw quote tweets no more? Did they take away quote tweets? Am I tripping? Quote tweets? No? Uh, I don't know if you can look at quote tweets no more. Damn, did they take away quote tweets? Anyways, they know they know who she's talking about. Obviously, she's talking about Offset doing all that uh, Michael Jackson stuff for his uh, latest single that didn't chart at all. So, um, yeah, man. At the end of the day, basically, I'll say all that to say. But tell tell Nikki stop playing gangster. And uh, obviously, she's not playing at this point because she married a gangster, so she done married herself into that lifestyle. So, um, I don't understand. I understand clowning somebody for the sales because you know hip-hop is a contact sport that happens sometimes but the threatening especially at the vmas where this happened uh kenneth petty you know threatening offset and cardi b uh back at the hotel after the vmas and, and you know saying we outside or whatever it, it's just it's just too much there's no place for that one thing i always say is women rappers know how to beef way or much better than uh male rappers because a male rapper will you know try to kill you women rappers you know at the most you know, they just be like, ah, I see you outside and stuff like that. Like nothing really happens. So that's why I like it to stay at. And for Nikki to do this, it's, it's like she's trying to get into that realm of, no, something can really happen to you, you know? And I don't like where that's headed. So anyways, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know one of my social medias. What do you think about Nicki Minaj versus Cardi B? And what do you think about her husband uh, being sentenced to house arrest after saying he was outside? very ironic and, and hilarious situation but um as far as the nikki wanted to be a part of the gangster appeal what do you think that will ultimately have as an effect on her career being a drake stan i'm very conflicted on this back and forth but what makes it easier it makes it easier when i keep telling myself it's all jokes because at the end of the day Charlemagne is just a flat-out comedian maybe one of the funniest hip-hop commentators we've ever had in life so with that being said Drake is the biggest hip-hop artist we've ever had in life and when those two collide you get into an interesting space where Drake starts to get in his feelings because he's not used to people talking about him the way that Charlamagne has. I mean, if you have somebody that can not only change your life, but can change your kid's life, your kid's kid's life, and your kid's 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 life, you will probably talk to, to, talk to them or talk to him in a certain way that's respectful, right? Some will call that a yes man. I've been fortunate to have friends associates with a lot of money not associates friends right and i could say and they know personally i've never been a yes man honestly i've said stuff 
to to friends with a lot of money where you probably shouldn't even say that to him but it came from a place of just you know you want to be real with him so that is the basis of this uh back and forth i think i think Charlemagne says stuff that drake does not hear in a circle right because obviously you don't want to talk to drake in a certain way that could get you kicked out and now your whole life has changed Charlemagne is that person that doesn't need drake is his own man so he could say what some if not most people i think are thinking and with that make sure to follow my analytic dreams video podcast on spotify to get the video elements along with the audio so you can watch along and hear well you'll be able to hear regardless but you can watch along as Charlemagne gives a master class at his finest on one of the biggest hip-hop musicians in the world. Gay, straight, and Drake. And Drake is just a whole different type of breed. It don't got nothing to do with nothing other than he's just a different type of breed, man. Drake's used to people laughing at him and talking about him behind his back from high school. So that was the, who's laughing at me, Paul? <laughs> Now that okay, throughout this whole video, that's my favorite video. This is my favorite one right here. Like this is the most creative one. Nothing other than he's just a different type breed. <laughs> Drinking people laughing at him and talking about him behind his back from high school. So that was the who's laughing at me post. I hear y'all laughing at me. That's supposed to be my friends. I think Drake can rap. You know what I'm saying? I think he can rap. He's a dope rapper. But I just I hate when he sings. And I I just think he's and I just think personally he's a corny guy if you've read Charlemagne's book titled black privilege and not to be preachy but you know reading is fundamental and one of the things i realized about reading is they will put certain information that you could only get from that book so when you say it they realize that you read the book so <laughs> basically the way that plays here is with Charlemagne the God, right? Even his whole name was, you know, bro broken down into the book in a way that I don't think he's ever explained um, in person. But we're not gonna focus on that. We're focusing on the bully. The guy who was bullied, the guy who is a bully, and how he came to be that person. Because those are two different personas, right? When he first started off in Black Privilege, he was a quote-unquote nerd. He was the... I don't know if he was the corny guy. He never said that in the book, but he was the nerd, went to class, got good grades, studied, all that stuff, right? Apparently, he was watching, and this was the uh, turning point. He was watching some type of TV show with his aunt. No, with his cousins. And something happened, happened on the TV show. Then he took it upon himself to reenact whatever happened in that scene and it was like it was back in the day y'all so don't cancel me it was like feminine qualities or whatever he, what he was reenacting so his cousins told his dad and his dad was like from now on you hanging with these group uh you hanging with these cousins and instead of the the girls right basically he wanted him to hang with more guys instead of the girls and so it came to a point where he started to pick up things from his guy cousins, which got him into the drug game, got him into it being a gangster, ended up being a bully. I mean, one of the one points in this book, uh, one of the points in this book was they will pick somebody in 
the the school to knock out like literally like people in the, the, his clique at the end of class or whatever they would pick somebody just to knock them out and the <laughs> i'm being so serious it was in this book you got to read it such a great read um throughout the book right he went to a bunch of different schools because of him getting locked up for drugs and uh basically you know selling weed being in the wrong group fighting all that sorts of stuff so he was always the guy to antagonize people that's what i'm getting at so the guy you're seeing is a much more ref a reformed charlemagne well i hope so you know hopefully he's not still doing what he was doing in the uh, beginning of this book but basically this is a antagonizer you can't take him serious he's doing things to only make you upset and that if you read charlemagne's book has always been his character and it didn't used to be but thanks to his dad not wanting him to grow up as a kid who you know was a straight and narrow because apparently it was making him do weird feminine things get into the drug game be a gangster and stuff so he transitioned to a much more different persona that we're seeing a reformed version of today but that's where it came from right so that's the that's the premise that's i know that was a huge breakdown but that is where i'm seeing this man come from because i read his book so i have that background knowledge of him having all of them personal instances of just being a straight bully to people i mean knocking people out is pretty you know it's that's pretty messed up <laughs> like if that's not a bully if that's not literally the literal definition of what you think of when you think of a bully i don't know what is so anyways let's keep going so basically now he's just bullying drake but in his uh hip-hop personality way get in the car the next morning turn on like power 105 and hear some nerd telling them that i'm i'm gay or they have pictures of me or that this video did drake no justice I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. The the mannerisms, the way he's saying it, everything he's saying about Charlemagne just seems on like it just it it just screams he was right. And here's some nerd telling them that I'm I'm gay or they have pictures of me or that to me is like why man like for what you know why are you using your job to exactly like you're a real loser you know sorry and I don't bother anybody. I'm not a foul artist, you know. I don't. I don't. I'm not like, you could tell Drake is upset by like what Charlemagne just said. So this is like after he's seen all that, right? That's it, man. No new friends. No new friends. No new friends. No, no, no. Who talks like that? See, that's what I'm saying. Like Drake. I mean, Charlemagne is obviously an antagonizer and. The way that Drake tried to combat it to bring this full circle and back on. Well, we was already we was on topic, but. To bring this more uh, more specifically back to what I was wanting to touch on, Drake said, quote, are you okay, Lenard? Which if you don't know, Charlemagne's real name is Lenard. You kind of weirding me out, G. Like, hold on, let me make this bigger for the people who, so you can see this. I don't know, I don't know how big I can make this. What in the world? I, I don't know. That's how big it's, it's going to get. I'm sorry. I can't make it any bigger. Are you okay, Lenard? Two question marks. That's how they know somebody wants an answer. You kinda weirding me out, G. Like you really obsessed with me or something for years. Like you look in the mirror and wish you saw my reflection. Type B. Obviously it says type something else, but it's a PG podcast. Whatever you gotta do 
to let it out i'm sure your 435 loyal fans will stand by you goofy that's how i'm gonna end it because he went he went off he dropped the f-bomb that's how you know drake like charlamagne um invokes a type of reaction from drake that makes him just drop f-bombs left and right like this man don't even talk like this to no personality right and 435 loyal fans has to be a dig at something like i can't put my finger on it but that number is just too specific like i don't know if charlamagne always does around 400 when he does live venues and he's supposed to sell them out about thousands like i don't know like what type of dig that is but that's too specific of a number for drake just to throw out there and that's my personal opinion i don't know i don't have any facts for that but i'm thinking that his loyal fans is has to be a jab at him not being able to sell out certain live venues not like you know not stadiums or arenas and all like that just like you know personalities they host live events and you know sometimes in the thousands and maybe you have a five thousand capacity venue and you can only get around 400 people like maybe that's what the jab is at because i'm i'm like drake just don't throw out jabs like the reason the uh the point where i realized drake stop just don't throw out random jabs is when him his homies all had on chris paul jerseys amidst the kanye beef nobody thought anything of it just thought it was a random post right fast forward when they supposedly stopped beefing uh kanye said oh yeah by the way i found this man with his wife with a picture of chris paul that man drake is a devious human like he is he is ill he is sick petty everything you can hey it's a lot so anyways um what else then he tried to get on Charlemagne's level with the jokes which i just i don't think drake's as funny as Charlemagne. i think he is one of the more funnier rappers but that's not saying too much because some most rappers personality is like watching paint dry so um drake was saying and deep thought about how you the off-brand morris chestnut <laughs> which is not even a like is that a slight like pause but the morris chestnut it's not like a bad looking person and if you're the off-brand him it's like i don't know man maybe i'm tripping um what else that's basically it man it was all jokes this is all funny because i think at the end of the day it's just all for jokes like it's just all for fun and promotion drake knows that his reach is way more than Charlemagne. so so exemplifying highlighting this is just going to put more eyes on Charlemagne. so i don't know why he would do it if he really cared that's why i don't think he cares i think they're just joking back and forth i think drake is sort of not joking joking like he's like i'm sort of serious but i'm not gonna take it all the way there and Charlemagne's just straight jokes like he's just straight bully bowed and um obviously it's not back in the day when they used to knock people back in this high school but you know it's to that effect with the with the words so what he used to do physically to people as far as starting fights and knocking people out he's doing verbally against some of the biggest artists in the game and with that being said click my link in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about Charlemagne versus drake aka aubrey graham <laughs> aubrey versus leonard uh, leonard this is these are the times we're in this is what happens when nobody drops music in 2023 <laughs> but anyways let me know what you think about their beef and who do you think got the upper hand and their verbal spat getting into the overview of the pod of course we started with doja cat because as you know the episode is titled 
sales over integrity is it worth it and the reason i titled it that specifically because of doji cat's first week sales so i got into how her sales was definitely a disappointment and one of the biggest disappointments i think in the music industry because to have somebody have the number one single in the world to drop an album following that single and for it to flop quote unquote and only selling 69,000 first week is is uh under a major label is, is pretty disappointing um, and that's one of the biggest surprises of 2023 then we got to bts members renewing their contracts with big hit music basically every single member of bts has had a track charting in the top 100 for billboard so at that point it's like big hit knew that they you know pun intended had a hit on their hands with multiple bts members so they was like let's renew this group membership so we can get all y'all to come back together after you're finished doing mandatory military service and once again i believe it's sugar jim and j hope that's set up that's set to uh, complete the mand mandatory military service so yeah then we transition into the music industry, basically talking about how Taylor Swift is just out here impacting the economy on a global scale to the point where music industry has hit an all time revenue high. And that is insane. Trend, uh, after that, we got into WGA Studios reaching a tentative agreement with WGA basically ending their strike with the studios. But. The writers for the video game department are contemplating going on strike to mimic the same process as WGA so they can ultimately get more financial gains for their work, which I am in all uh, support of, especially since Spider-Man 2 is already completed. But anyways... <laughs> Then we got into PlayStation Plus versus Xbox Game Pass. I basically talked about CEO beef versus industries or uh, versus companies and how it's way more entertaining than rapper beef. Like CEO beef is way more intricate and more detailed than rappers beefing because they are talking about some big numbers and a lot of different people are working under them versus a rapper who basically is is vice versa. So I like covering that that CEO beef and I thought that was pretty interesting when I first found it. So hopefully you enjoyed that segment. Then we got to Sony going to invest more into first party studios and less on third party. And it's just one of those things where Sony is just realizing that their model is by far and away leading to success in this console war. And somehow Xbox is going to have to fight back. And I think with them acquiring Activision, they finally started to officially regain status in the uh, console war. Then we got into our first segment about just entirely a video game and Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty DLC. Basically, Cyberpunk 2077 is one of those type of games where it was completely broken three years ago. I know some people, like 10% of the population was able to play the game at start and get through it with no problems. But for most people, the game was a buggy mess. So much so that PlayStation took it off the digital marketplace. And y'all look up the last time that happened right it, it didn't so <laughs> cyberpunk 2077 was a atrocious launch and one of the worst launches in video game history but now is at a point where it's one of the better games in video game history simply because the developers took the time to fix their game three years later but they still did it fix their game add dlc and now 
is basically the package that everybody thought they was getting at the beginning and everybody is satisfied now then we move along into elden ring dlc shadow of the earth tree if you don't know from software is the developers that made elden ring they also made armor core that came out this year basically i talked about how armor core is not the game that you promote Elden Ring along with because then the promotion takes away from Armor Core. So Elden Ring kind of had to sit on the back burner for Armor Core to get that spotlight and to, to have that highlight as far as the industry, right? So it makes sense that now Elden Ring DLC is starting to, uh, well, rumors are starting to come about because it's uh, allegedly going to have a trailer December of this year at the Game Awards show. So basically Elden Ring DLC Shadow of the Earth Tree, make sure to look out for that. Then we got into Peso Pluma versus the Cartel. And when I tell y'all, I think I broke the record for the amount of please cop in one segment. I kid you not, because I don't know what it is, but the research and the information that I've garnered from how the cartel moves is not something where i want to play with because <laughs> i don't want them to listen to even a, a minute of this segment and think i'm playing with their name because let let me tell you that is surely not the case i am being the utmost respectful and that's why i'm gonna leave it at <laughs> so anyways uh nikki versus cardi b was a fun topic i like to end off on some fun topics so we talked about nikki versus cardi b and the fun part was um Nikki or Kenneth Petty basically making a whole video with his goons saying they was outside just to be sentenced to house arrest for like 130 some days so or 120 some days so that was hilarious but what wasn't hilarious is how Nikki for some reason attached herself to somebody who's done unthinkable things and if I said it I would have to give a trigger warning so her husband is just one of those type of people where her being so decorated as far as success wise and still choosing to marry and give a kid to this person is very uh disturbing and unfortunate but people are willing to do with their life what they want and uh i just wanted to point out how you know disappointing it is as a nikki fan for her to not choose somebody who's more of a um just like a law-abiding citizen like is that too much to ask for to to choose somebody that don't have the convictions of of certain stuff that he's convicted of i don't know maybe that's too much to ask but anyways simply we we got into nikki versus cardi and other things so anyways oh also nikki versus offset then we ended with aubrey graham versus lenard aka drake versus charlemagne and that ladies and gentlemen with straight jokes as i think there comes a time a point in time where you look at somebody and you just realize you get under this you get you get under their skin way easier and much more effective than they get under yours and that's just how drake and charlamagne's relationship just has been over the time like charlamagne has always said stuff to get under drake's skin drake has always said stuff back to Charlemagne that's just been out of character that made him look a certain way to make Charlemagne even more right so at that point I think we can uh, ultimately come to the conclusion 
that Charlemagne just has Drake's number when it comes to getting under his skin. Which is nothing wrong with that, because as a Drake stand, I would still point out that Charlemagne said Drake and Scissor's record wasn't uh didn't seem like it was impacting that much, and it is currently the number one track in the world. That's right, my goat is still on top. Pause. So, anyways. That's about it for this episode. Uh, that's about it for episode 129. Thank you for tuning in to this uh, Ma Notorious Mass Effect podcast. And don't be afraid to send me an email letting me know what you think of the show and what you want me to talk about in the next episode. Click my, click my link tree in my bio to access my social medias and to keep up with my latest activities. If you want to support the show financially, click my Cash App link located towards the bottom of my link tree as it helps the show overall make sure to share this podcast and rate this five stars on whatever platform you are currently listening on as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses thank you for tuning in to another episode of the notorious mass effect <laughs>